0: To make things like this easier.
1: I'm reading.
0: And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing?
2: Have fun together. Did I do good, Daddy?
0: (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. We had a great interview today with the creator of the Outside the Box creation subscription service.
2: Yeah, Beth Harold. It Harald. was really great. And um, it's,
0: it's a, the focus was on art. And, you know, a lot of the times we talk yeah. about curriculum. We talk about, you know, all about, you know, right start math or all about reading, mm-hmm. all the various pieces that pure were. Pure homeschool pieces. Yeah, the pure homeschool pieces. And this is kind of the thing that's kind of lives on the edge. And you see it with like a lot of these curriculums that people don't really focus on art as much. And, yeah, it's like and this extra piece. It's just that thing that kind of lives on the edge. And today it was so wonderful to talk to Beth and really get that get that nice grounding um uh of the importance of art and how art yeah. you know lives within uh your homeschool environment but before we begin you know we ask you to do a lot of things social media you know reviews instagram and all that stuff we'd really love it if you could go out and find that homeschool friend who you know maybe, or facebook non friend who just non-friend. asks
2: a question and and they're
0: looking for a new podcast feel free to share our podcast and i hope you can find maybe your favorite episode Whatever it might be, Um, I think all all the books was probably my favorite (laughs) because I I didn't have to do very much in that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But if you could share, you know, with just one person, that would be really, really awesome. We we just want to spread the word out there and you know continue to build the community, and you know we're working hard to do that. But it would be really great if you could just share it with one person and see if that might spark an interest or or help somebody through maybe a difficult period that they may be homeschooling through. We've put out a lot of podcasts for up to what ninety episodes now yeah, or so. Think. Um total over a hundred episodes. We're getting close to the one hundred. We'll have to do something special. Maybe yeah. we, maybe we'll do the episode from the hot tub.
2: <laughs> we don't have a hot tub. <laughs> we
0: don't have a hot tub. Not we could yet. have we could by then. No, no we <laughs> no. can't. No we're not. <laughs> I can't hear him. And there's so much bubbling. <laughs> um but anyway, so today we had this wonderful interview with Beth. And Yeah,
2: it was great. You know, we always we talk to homeschool families. We've talked with uh, several who used to be teachers and are mm-hmm. now homeschool parents and and we've talked with homeschoolers themselves. This was really great to talk with a creator and to talk with someone who's just such a unique perspective. Art education is one of those things that uh, you know, we talk about it a bit in the interview. Yeah. I really feel like I personally feel uncomfortable teaching art because I don't feel like I'm, I'm much of an artist myself. But I don't want to stop my children from having the experience of art. And if that's something that, that becomes a passion of theirs, like I, I want to promote that. And it was such a wonderful opportunity to talk with Beth and think about how it doesn't matter what your skill level is it's it's not about that it's about it's about exposure and allowing them to be creative and all these things it took so much pressure off of me thinking that i had to teach them how to be artists and that's that's really not the goal so i thought that one stood out so much for me and the other thing that really stood out uh, we feel like arts one of those Extra requirements. You said it's on the edges, right? Schools don't fund it enough. Even the
0: schools, you know, public schools and the private schools, you know, it lives on the edge,
2: right? It's this extra thing, and you know, it is part of the requirements, but it's not something that is always given a lot of emphasis. And I loved how she explored the ways that art helps students in all the other academic areas and all the other areas of their lives too. I thought, wow, rather than this being on the edge what if this type of thinking about creative problem solving is part of the key to all of these different subjects and helping our children to be really well-rounded individuals? So I, I, anyway, fantastic interview with Beth. Mm -hmm. She was just so lovely to come on on the show and we'll be talking about her subscription box on a future episode. We're going to go ahead and review that and maybe we'll do a, an unboxing video for you all so you can see what's there, but yeah.
0: And there's a lot of stuff listed in this podcast and I'm going to try very hard <laughs> to put pretty much everything she listed. Yeah. And she was some
2: of... really great art supplies that we had not heard of and we'll do our best to list we'll do, all of them yeah. for you, but don't miss this because she's got some great, yeah. uh, great advice and, and recommendations for how to Engage your kids. I, I
0: think I think the holistic approach around art and how it dovetails with the, a, a way of thinking that a lot of us homeschoolers already have. This idea of learner-led uh, education, mm-hmm. how everything folds into the you know it's each other, whether it's you know science or you know reading or math or history, and we know that we can dovetail a lot of subjects together. And I think she articulated that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, very direct, and and it was very, very poignant because I I like art, but I understand that a lot of people you know art feels like that one thing that is unattainable for a lot of us yeah. that it, it we think it's skill. And she had a great line in in the interview that it, you know art is ninety percent work and practice, right. and it's it's you don't have to be you know Michelangelo, you, <laughs> know, you don't have to be carving the Pietà in, in the corner of the house. You you can you know, do art with your kid that is meaningful, that is fun, right. that it, it opens up their, their minds to learning and the creativity and the structure of problem solving. She she had a great line in there about stem, uh, STEAM, you know, yeah, where you have STEM, STEM, but with art at the core of that as a way to kind of open up your learning. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to approach this. And I think I, I really, really hope everybody gets into this and really sees how art can be kind of a, a great centerpiece Maybe that missing piece in your curriculum. Yeah,
2: maybe it ties all the other pieces together and and helps you know that that fluid that draws everything together because so much of life is art. Mm -hmm. So to to not include it or act like it's a craft or it's just oh, you know, something on our checklist, oh, we're gonna do art today and (laughs) oh we're gonna draw draw a drawing. And we even do this, right? With Mm -hmm. our with our child. It's like, oh well we're we're supposed to draw something that we liked from the story. Okay, well let's draw, you know, not not thinking about more of the holistic, you know, what are we what are we presenting to our child? Are we giving her the right tools and the right framework so that she mm. can be really creative? And and I loved when she talked about how we should talk to our children about their art mm-hmm. because I feel like ignorantly I ask the wrong questions yes. <laughs> of of our daughter about her art, and that's maybe not as respectful as I need to be, and to I, help I draw she... her out and want her to do more art. So, that was yeah. just. Yeah. Anyways, we could go on we could and go on. on. This just was a fantastic interview. Head into Please the interview.
0: You're definitely going to get a lot out of this, especially how to do art. It's, there's so many, you know, just little pieces of wisdom in mm-hmm. this interview. I think you'll enjoy it a lot. So let's just get into it with the interview with Beth.
2: Thank you, Beth, so much for joining us today. My pleasure. So uh, can you give us a bit about your background and, and your education and and really your experience in teaching art to children?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. My undergrad degree is in fine arts. And when people ask my dad what I was taking up in college, he would say space mostly. <laughs> 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 it was a super popular degree at the time. Um, so I I was a commercial designer for a while. And then I went off into other less traditionally thought of as Uh, artistic pursuits. My master's is in whole systems design, organizational development, and I ended up in sales and marketing and those kinds of things in the corporate sector. But all the while, I was having kids, and we have three kids, and when they entered elementary school, I was appalled at the lack of quality visual arts education that was available. So I started becoming an art docent in their classrooms, aka unpaid art teacher. (laughs) Here in Washington, like many states, a lot of the school districts don't have paid art teachers at the elementary levels, Hmm. so they rely on volunteers. And it was a great experience. And I will also say that I was really surprised to know that there really wasn't a curriculum And there was very little training for the docents. So luckily, I had a background in art, and I could rely on that. But it was difficult for me to sort of move the kids forward, because each year I would have a different group of kids as my kids moved up in the grades. So I did that for about 12 years. And then after that, I volunteered with the school district to help train and coordinate the docents. I also uh, volunteered at a drop-in for homeless youth and young adults in the university district doing art. It was a safe place for them to come and be creative. And I also taught art as a volunteer at a juvenile detention center to teens.
2: So it's really interesting. I, I just kind of clueing in on something that you said about that you know, art was not funded. It was just relying on volunteers. It's really interesting because art is part of the stand, educational standards for the state for every year, but it's not funded. So uh, that just doesn't seem to make much sense to me. Is it? Did they did they supply? Did they provide all the art supplies and and any kind of guidance at all, or or was it really up to you to make your own curriculum, so to speak?
1: Well, at the time, it was up to me to make my own curriculum. The district was really great about providing the supplies, so that was that was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I'm just speaking about my experience. I'm sure there are docent programs where they're given a lot more training and they have a curriculum. But um, the other thing that I noticed was that when you get volunteers teaching art that don't have an art background, they they could choose their projects, or even if they had a curriculum, they tended to be very prescriptive and lean more into wanting to have the pretty little products than mm-hmm. emphasizing the process.
2: So more more about coming up with something that looks good rather than teaching the, the, the techniques for more open-ended art. Would that be right? It,
1: yes, exactly. And I think a lot of it was because Uh, The docents, the volunteers were sort of self-conscious about what they were supposed to be doing. So they wanted to turn out these really darling little pieces of art that could go on the wall in the hallway, you know. And actually, I see that happen sometimes even when there are paid art teachers that they tend to err on the side of trying to create pretty little products rather than uh, the process of learning and letting the kids explore in art. Um, when my youngest was in, I think it was fourth grade, I worked with her teacher and I was the docent and it was it was lovely. And she came to me one day and said, can we do this other project? Because I'm getting a lot of pressure from the other parents to create these pretty products that, um, that they're seeing out in the hallway sort of thing. And the project she wanted to do, I kid you not, everybody got a vinyl LP, you know, an album. They They gave each child a snowman stencil and some paint. And they painted a snowman in the center of this vinyl album. And then the volunteers heated up the albums and laid them over bowls so that they would form and become bowls and then when they dried they hardened so they had this cute little bowl with a snowman in the bottom of it and that's what my daughter's teacher wanted to do and i said you know that's a craft project it's great you're welcome to do that but it's not art so i'm going to back out of this
0: <laughs> how how do you how do you separate between like you know the youtube crafts project kind of like what you described versus you know actually teaching theory and proper you know drawing techniques and and value and all the the things that make art you know compelling and 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 like for it to work and, you know it's hard to see like modern art and and some people may not like it or they may not understand they may like painting more or or sculpture how how do you How do you separate from the craft and get more into the technique and the and the actual craftsmanship of craftsmanship of being an artist?
1: You know, that's a that's a great question. I just wrote a blog post about that. Should you do crafts or art with your child? Is there a difference? Does it matter? You know, the way that I separate them is that crafts are an activity where the goal is for what you're doing to look like the example if you think about it. Um, crafts are not bad at all. Doing crafts with your child can teach them lots of uh, valuable things. They can teach about technique and about having pride in learning a new skill and uh, different things like that. But that's where I draw the line is where you're trying to make yours look like the example.
2: Is that because it just cuts off your freedom of expression then, which is such, so, so central to art?
1: Right. I think a big part of art is the creative problem solving. You know, I'm a painter and every time I go into my studio to paint, I'm creatively problem solving. And some days it doesn't go very well. And I am kind of discouraged when I leave. But that that's what art does for you. And I think that's one of the things that we want our kids to get from art is uh, exercising their creativity muscles. and learning how to be good creative problem solvers.
0: Is that why art, like from what you're talking about is the creative problem solving aspect of it as opposed to, you know, just doing the craft project and getting into that deeper kind of mental skills is that's why you're pushing art towards children is that there's a deeper understanding than thing that you're trying to unlock.
1: Oh yes, absolutely. The research is super clear. That if kids take part in a quality visual arts program, they will do better in all of their subjects because of uh, creating new synapses in their brains, because of learning better creative problem solving skills. It also teaches them empathy because they learn that there's not just one right answer to a problem, that there are many ways to approach it. Self-esteem all sorts of social emotional learning, as well as um, doing better in in their different subjects. So for me, it's all about the process that they go through to create the art. And if you get a pretty product, that's just icing on the cake. That's great.
2: It seems like in so many subjects, there is a, there is a correct answer that the teacher's looking for. Whereas in art, it seems like, it's using the technique effectively, but it doesn't necessarily have one right way. It has to look in the end. So it does it also gives children more control over what they want to produce as opposed to so many other things in school or in dictated, right? There's an answer that you're supposed to be achieving um, that you've got to conform
1: to. I think that's exactly right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, with all of the standardized testing and everything that we do in our country and in the world, kids are more and more sort of uh, put into these boxes where they have to, they have to come up with the right answers. And art fills that other void. Um, If you look at STEM education, right, that's the big thing right now. Well, Mm -hmm. without the A, without the STEAM, They they won't be innovators. The A part helps them become innovators in the world.
0: Hey, Arrow and I both come from STEM backgrounds, not STEAM <laughs> backgrounds, but <laughs> we definitely come from the STEM side of the house. And and I, I have to agree with you, especially on some of the math and the educate on the engineering side of the of that. It's very prescriptive. You know, I have X problem. I need to use Y tools to get Z answers. And there's not that kind of like outside the box thinking, the creativity. And I know there are some critiques of STEM that are focusing on the idea that we don't have enough outside the box thinkers, that some disciplines are very rigid um, in their choice, like physics. Physics kind of goes into um, certain disciplines and you get kind of tracked into those things and people are not able to actually think outside the box. Some of the great physicists were able to provide, you know, insights into biology, into chemistry, into philosophy, you know, that kind of like holistic approach to life and experience it sounds like that you're saying that you know art could be one of those tools to kind of unlock that did you see any of that type of unlocking of thinking when you when you were in the classroom when you were with the um, distressed youth and in 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 the um, juvenile programs did you see any commonalities of how art helped those children through different problems? What were some, you know, commonalities and maybe some challenges you saw in those different environments?
1: The The unfortunate thing is that I didn't see how their lives all played out after having okay. art, you know, so I had a limited view of that. But mm-hmm. I will say that I saw the kids who struggled with some of the core subjects just blossom with mm-hmm. art. And that was their way of um, feeling better about school, feeling like they fit in, getting some confidence so that they could move forward and do better in those other subjects. Like I said, I, I can't say that I watched all of their lives unfold, but I did mm-hmm. see little bits and pieces of that. And I saw it with my own kids as well.
0: That may be dovetail into maybe the big question, which is, you know, how, do, how should parents approach art with their children? Um, in a general standpoint, so that they get outside of the crafting and they get more into this creative, you know, mental challenge where you kind of open up your possibilities? How how do parents do that? Do we focus on artists? Do we focus on certain mediums? You know, oh, we got to be charcoal people or, you know, what is the, what is the way do we, you know, I want to be charcoal. That's, my, that's yeah. my goal right now is to get into charcoal. But like, what is, what's the trick? How do we do it?
1: Okay, well, I think the most important thing is the mindset. It's much more important than the supplies. Mm -hmm. Um, Really focusing on cultivating curiosity at home. And it could be something as small as uh, posing questions to your child, like, I wonder, I wonder what would happen if we did this, or I wonder what that artist was thinking and then just being quiet and letting the child fill in the blanks. There um, is one thing. The second thing I think that's super important is creating art invitations for your child. So instead of going on Pinterest and finding an art project, in fact, I would recommend staying off of Pinterest (laughs) 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 because Most of the so-called art projects on Pinterest are craft projects. Mm -hmm. So um, I like to create art invitations for children. And that's in between just throwing out a bunch of art supplies and being super prescriptive. It's kind of in the middle. I know with my kids, if I just laid out a ton of art supplies, even my most creative child would get overwhelmed and not know what to do with them. You know, a few kids are just really good that way and will pick up something that you lay out and run with it, but a lot of kids won't. So when you create an art invitation, you select a certain number of supplies. It might be a different set of supplies every day, but more likely probably for busy parents, maybe it's once a week or maybe it's the supplies of the month. And you have an area that they can get kind of dirty and you lay the supplies out and you can show them some techniques, but then be super careful not to get too prescriptive. So you might even do the techniques after they're in bed at night and lay them out and then walk away or show them a really short video with a technique. So you create structure, but then within that structure, you let them do whatever they want.
0: That's funny. The way, way you describe that is is in tune with a lot of the things we see in the homeschooling environment. Like we we have these ideas around morning boxes where you know kids are there to discover, you know, hey, there's a new book or there's a new activity or there's a worksheet. Um so the way you're describing that is something I think a lot of homeschooling parents are already kind of angling towards. A lot of us tend to be more learner-led. Where we want to, you know, chase the interest of our, of our student and be more of a mentor as opposed to a teacher, um, yes. you, you're pushing more for mentorship as opposed to teaching, so let them discover their their own path.
1: Right. And that okay. doesn't mean that we let them be super haphazard about things and not care about it. Right. Sure. You know, but it's um, letting them sort of find their own way and then If they ask you for help saying, well, what have you tried so far? You know, what do you think? And then also when you're talking to your child about his or her or their art, instead of saying what we all think, which is, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Um, We're all thinking that, but saying, tell me about your art. Tell me about your picture. And then being quiet and allowing them to tell you and then asking deeper questions of anything from can you say more about that or something like, oh, I'm curious why you used those two colors together. Or I love how you use those two colors together. I wouldn't have thought of that instead of saying, oh, it's so pretty. Say, I I love how hard you worked on this. I love how you use those two colors together. Why is is that figure larger than the others? We might think that we know why, but mm-hmm. if we ask the questions and we're quiet, we might find out it's not at all what we thought. You know, We might think, oh, those two figures are larger because they're the parents and the smaller figures are the children. And it might be not that at all.
0: So how do you balance that critique? You, you said kind of just you know let them more tell you the story of what they did is, is that the main focus as opposed to, you know, saying, Oh, maybe we should try to shade a little bit better here, or how do you balance the teaching and the critique?
1: Yeah. It, you know, it is a delicate balance. Like Mm -hmm. for our boxes, when I write the instructions, I try to walk this super fine line between Mm -hmm. enough structure so that kids feel successful and they want to keep doing it. But then a lot of, you're the artist, you get to make that decision. Try this, try this. So for when you're talking to your child about their art, they may not even be aware that they went through a planning process in their brains. But when they start telling you why they made certain color choices or why this figure was larger than that figure, or why there's a sun over here, or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Then they cement in their own brains about the planning process that they went through, and it allows them, the next time they do art, for it to be even more nuanced and complex And so you'll see over time, if you're having these conversations and they're telling you why they made choices, then they'll get more purposeful about their choices. So you might, you might, uh, your child might say, well, I like this, but eh, I don't like this area because it doesn't look like this person's in front of this tree or whatever it is. And then at that point, you might say, oh. Well, I know a technique you can use for that. You could do some shading behind the person, and that will make them come forward. Or, um, you know, you might use these warmer, brighter colors in the front here, and that would give you a sense of depth with the darker, cooler colors in the back. So you can infuse some of that advice in there
0: by drawing out what they were trying to accomplish. Okay, right. Okay, that's wonderful. How do you specifically, and this is not because I see this all the time. uh, How do you deal with frustration? (laughs) When you're when your learner is sitting there going, I meant to draw a dragon, and it looks like a pond. And I'm very (laughs) upset. (laughs) Not that I have ever encountered that ever, ever in my life. (laughs) How do you you balance the, you know, the frustration when they're I think she gets my. I'm speaking mainly of my daughter because um, I'm. I tend to like to do art right next to her together, and we can talk while we're doing it. And I, you know, I'm not. I, I'm a little bit above a f- five-year-old's level, but um, she gets a little frustrated because I'm. I think maybe she's looking at what I'm doing, and it's not looking like what she's doing. How do I balance kind of that frustration?
1: That, that's excellent. Um, and if I could sort of go a little bit into, uh, you mentioned earlier that a lot of parents are intimidated to do art with their kids, mm-hmm. because that plays right into it. I think that the best way to do art with your kids is to discover it together. So maybe you start out by doing something that you've never done before either, because if you are at all the expert or perceived as the expert or the teacher by your child, then your child will inadvertently try to make their art look like your art. Okay. Right? <laughs> so maybe you start out with something that you know that you're going to be really crappy at too, because you've okay. never done it before, and just say, let's discover this together. And then you're modeling that Uh, that sort of attitude of it's not about the product. We're having fun doing this. No wrong answers in art because even techniques are rules that sometimes are meant to be broken. You know, that's how innovation starts in art.
2: So what would you recommend for the parent to like me, as opposed to Matthew, who's got some art skills, I have what I would consider to be no art skills. Um, I can color in the lines. That's, that's about it. Uh, So I I definitely can can paint by numbers as well. I I can paint by numbers and they're really quite beautiful. Uh, But, but other than than that, just very calculated um, method, I, I don't, I don't have any natural abilities that really come out. And so I feel very uncomfortable about teaching art to my daughter. And I know that there's a lot of parents out there who are like, I don't have any art skills. How do I, how do I help my child and teach her? Uh, oh, you know, as you said, oh, if, if you want it to look like this, maybe we could try this other technique. What would you say to parents who don't have any, any prior knowledge of art or experience in that? How do we help to guide our learners when we feel like we're on unsteady ground ourselves in, in this space?
1: I I actually think that's much better because like I was saying, then you're discovering it together. You're not saying my way is the way to do this. And you get to model the um, the curiosity and the opposite of perfectionism, so to speak. <laughs> even though, if inside you're going, oh my god, I can't do this, you know, <laughs> right? So you're you're working on your own inner critic as well, because honest to goodness, you know, even for professional artists, the hardest thing is for them to tame their inner critic, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not something that you just figure out one day and then you're done with it. It's a, it's a process of always trying to tame them. But if you find a good curriculum like our boxes or um, our online art lessons that you think balances the technique with the um, creative side of it, then you could do it along with your child and i I say that also to be careful, because there are a lot of art curriculums out there that I think are way too prescriptive. Hmm. You know, like, let's copy the masters every week really, really bothers me. I'm not saying that we should that there's nothing to learn from the masters. Certainly, there is. Um, our box this month is about Monet, and the reason I've never done a Monet box before is because, I don't want kids painting water lilies because that's not what they see when they look out their windows. Um, and it, and so really what we're trying to learn from Monet is we're trying to learn about the impressionist movement. So you've got history there, how brave all of those impressionists were to kind of go out on their own and buck the establishment at the time. And the fact that they were trying to convey the light at different times of day and different days and the color, you know, those types of things are what we want to learn, but it doesn't mean that we want to create art that looks just like Monet's. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. I know a lot of times when I'm trying to learn some new technique or some new medium, I do like to, I do a lot of monkey see, monkey do type of things. Because I, for me, that, that works for me, but do you like to see kids painting things that they see, or or doing art that they see around them? Like as as what you said, you don't want to paint water li- lilies because they've probably never seen water lilies. They're not they're not out painting haystacks. You know, you right. want them to do art. You want you want them to do art for what they see on a daily basis. Yes. That, okay.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the biggest things about art. By the way, art is the skills are probably 90% learned. And so I think that's a fallacy that people think that they're just, they're born great artists or they're not.
2: So you're saying there's hope you for know, me
1: yet. There's lots of hope for there's, you. Know. <laughs> there's total hope for you. There's total hope for you. What is that that Macklemore song? The greats weren't great because at birth they could paint. The greats were great because they painted a lot. It's about, it's about um, how long it takes for mastery. You know, and so practice, practice. But um, the biggest thing that we can give our kids, I think, is teaching them how to really see things. And so like, say, for a Monet to um, to go to the same spot every day or look out the same window at different times a day and maybe even take some photographs and look at how it looks different when the light is different, how the colors look different, how the shadows look different and really observe that, that will help them so much in art. Because you know, when you sit down to draw you're, and you tell your brain you want to draw a dog, your brain is going to get you to draw what it thinks a dog should look like, but not what the dog looks like that's in front of you. So I have some ideas on good ways to do that too. Like um, if you're drawing from a photograph, turn the photograph upside down and draw upside down because it forces you to just look at things as shapes and get rid of that, I'm drawing a dog thing.
0: So you're a big proponent of blocking out shapes and then shading in from those shapes? Is that Yes. A, okay, yes. so I know that's a technique. I've seen that technique uh, taught a few times. I've, I was gonna wonder if you, I was wondering if you are a proponent of a certain type of drawing or artistic style when it comes to painting and drawing? Is, is that your style, is to block in from um, shapes?
1: Well, no, I just think that's a great way to trick your brain when you're drawing. Okay. But yeah, I mean, certainly if you're talking about composition, you want to look at how the shapes relate to each other and what you're including on the page. There's mm-hmm. another great activity you can do with your kids that I think is really fun, where you find a really simple, maybe it's like uh, they're coloring sheets or something download or get a coloring book that has really simple pictures and you sit back to back with your child, or you can have two kids sit back to back and one person has the coloring sheet in front of them. And the other person has a blank sheet of paper and the person with the coloring sheet has to describe (laughs) what the shapes look like and how they relate to each other. And the person with the piece of paper has to try to draw it.
0: Oh, that's really cool. I like yeah, that's that. That's a good idea. And
1: then you and then you flip and you do it the other way and you compare what the person had with what uh, what was drawn. And it works on observation skills and listening skills, descriptive skills.
2: Well, that's a really interesting activity. I like that. I'm I'm wondering a little bit about about inspiration. I know that uh, in the past we've tried to you know, get our daughter interested in. Uh, some, some art activity, right. We've set out the, the paper and some sort you know, a medium and some sort of um, crayons or markers or something and said, Hey, you know, draw a picture of what we, your favorite thing this week, whatever you want, right. We've tried to be kind of open about it. She'll sit, she'll scribble for, you know, five minutes and she will be like, yeah, I'm done. You, you know, clearly she, she wasn't really into it. She didn't take her time. She didn't get into it. And we were left feeling like, Uh, what did I, something in my presentation didn't capture her imagination and and inspire her to, to take the time to make something that was important to her. So do you have any keys to, to unlocking that and and really getting kids to be engaged in the, in the project or, or art time to do something that matters to them?
1: Yeah. You know, like that kind of goes back to what I was saying about how my kids, even my, super creative uh, child, they didn't do well with that sort of thing either. So what I would do if that happens is try a bunch of different mediums. So maybe collage. And um, I like to teach art by reading a book together first that's inspirational. It It might be a book. It might be that you watch a film or do something else. Maybe you go for a walk and you're noticing things on your walk, or maybe you look at artwork or you go to a museum, but something to get their juices flowing and so that you can understand what is really exciting to them. So maybe you read a book like a, um, a book where the illustrations are collage. And you talk about, oh, how do you think the illustrator made these and that sort of thing. And then you lay out a bunch of collage materials. And if your daughter's into pink, you lay out a bunch of pink and some other colors. You know, if your child's into animal prints, you lay out animal print materials, you know, that sort of thing. I think it's tough to have kids go through magazines and pull out images because most kids and most uh, ADD adults <laughs> will get sidetracked <laughs> with looking at all the stuff in the magazine and never get to the collage part of it. <laughs> um, but but you can also do things where instead of drawing with a marker, they're using their fingers. So it's much more tactile if you know that your child is very tactile or maybe if you're going back to the collage, maybe the materials have different textures that they can feel. So that's a tactile experience.
0: I, I agree with you on that one. Um, Do you, so how do I phrase this? I have crayons, I have colored pencils, <laughs> I have watercolors, I have lots of paper. You have acrylics. I have, I, I dare I pull out the acrylics periodically. How do I not get stuck in the cycle of those four things? Mm. You know, as a as a parent, a homeschooling parent, or, you know, a regular public school parent, you know, what type of things can I can I build in? Like, a, I have like an art caddy that I constantly go back to. What what are the what would you say are the essential things that you know? If somebody's going to put together, you know, maybe we don't have a room or we don't have an area. Like I like to do all my art at the kitchen table. Um, and I pull down the art caddy, what are those things that you would deem to be essential to be in somebody's art caddy? If you want to like create that great fulfilling experience, what were those basics?
1: Oh gosh, that's tough. Um, and how much, and how
0: much willow charcoal should, I love willow charcoal. too. Yeah. It's, so, it's so forgiving,
1: <laughs> but you know, some kids might hate it. Uh, my, one of my kids, uh, when he was a, a younger child, hated getting his hands dirty. Okay. So I think a lot of it is knowing your child and knowing what would be exciting to them. But definitely, I would just make sure that you have 2D and 3D supplies. So um, a good thing to add to that would be some good air-dry clay Okay. Mm. so that they can really get in there with their hands. And, and that's such a different experience than painting, for instance. For air-dry clay, I prefer... My favorite one is paper clay. It's totally non-toxic, it's made from paper. I don't Mm -hmm. get anything from the paper clay people for saying this, Um, (laughs) but I've tried a lot of different air dry clays and a lot of them are kind of oily or they're really stiff and they're hard to work with. Model Mm -hmm. magic is also a a good thing if you don't want like a real clay kind of thing. Okay. I always just take model magic on airplanes because that doesn't smell, it doesn't crumble, and it's a great thing to do on the airplane. Uh, Faber Castell makes these uh, things that look like they look kind of like lipsticks. They're called gelatos, and they're just these like really super creamy, kind of pastel y sort of things. And some kids just really love that, or some kids love things that are neon bright you know, a lot of it is knowing your child. I don't particularly like the commercially sold finger painting paper. Have you ever used that? No, um,
0: what is that? I, I I am terrified at the mess it could potentially make.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. So there's that too. Yeah. Um, finger, you know, finger painting. Uh, finger painting. It, I think the paints that are commercially sold or probably tempera or something like that, but they sell this paper for it that has a really kind of shiny finish that it's kind of like, uh, nails on a chalkboard to me. I can't stand it. Hmm. Um, so I, I like, uh, with kids, if they're want to use their fingers to use water soluble oils, and that's not something that you typically see for children and you want to make sure if you buy any sort of paint that's for grown-ups that you don't buy any pigments that are uh, toxic. So none of the cadmiums or okay. um, I think Prussian blue is bad. You can look it up really easily and find out which colors are toxic, but look for that non-toxic. But the reason I love the water soluble oils is they just have this really creamy feeling about them and sometimes tactily, that can be really fun for kids
0: awesome awesome Mm. so let's talk a little bit about your box the outside the box creation what is it how did you get into it why did you create it and you know what what would be in a box
1: well so here i was being an art docent for my kids dismayed at the lack of arts funding and then as my kids got older, I even tried to get the middle school to let me come in and do art that would relate to their language arts and their history, because I think that kids learn better when things are integrated. And they said, oh, it sounds great, but we don't have time, you know, that sort of thing. So I was watching the funding for the arts get worse and worse instead of better and better. And um, then I saw the subscription box craze starting and -hmm. thought, Oh my gosh, I need to do this. You know, because I also know that as a parent, you can go to Michael's or wherever and get so overwhelmed and spend gazillions more than you need to. And then you come home and you have a hundred of this one thing that you had to buy in a big (laughs) package. And then what do I do with it? You know, or you still don't know what to do with the supplies
0: well, yeah, it happens. It happens in every hobby. Like, I hey, we're gonna make pad thai, and like hundred and fifty dollars in ingredients later oh, for making yeah. pad thai. Or hey, I want a garden, and my tomato cost me ninety two dollars. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, my right. husband and
1: I have that conversation all the time.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. Whenever I go to Michaels, I think. Well, you know, I, I went in, I wanted to make an ornament for my, um, we make, we have, we get them ornaments every year for Christmas that represent something they were into. And I could not for the life of me find an Olaf ornament. And that's all my toddler wanted was Olaf. So I went to the <laughs> local craft store and I got like a little disc of wood and I got a piece of scrapbook paper that had Olaf. And then I was like, I needed something to seal it. And they go, oh, well use Mod Podge. And they only sold it in like a gallon size. Uh-huh. <laughs> I need to seal like a two inch thing. And I had to buy and they're like, well, it's okay. It never goes bad. <laughs> It'll be good forever. But I, I feel like that with everything, I have to buy so much of something and I don't know if it's the right, if it's the right thing, if I'll like it. And, and that's, you know, it's not cheap to buy things in, in quantity and then we have to store it. So I'm sure you hear that a lot from parents, not knowing oh what to buy gosh. and having to buy it in so much
1: volume. Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So that's when I set out to create the boxes. First of all, they all come with a picture book, because as I mentioned earlier, that's how I like to teach artists by setting some sort of a context for the kids, you have this lovely time reading together. And so sometimes the book is about an artist, or sometimes it's about like a In March, we did a shark box. So the book was totally nonfiction about all different types of sharks. And then it was a clay shark project. Sometimes it's just a mind opening book about like, there's one called sky color. Mm. I think it's by Peter Reynolds. And this little girl says she'll paint the sky in the mural that they're making at school. Mm. But then she finds out there's no blue and she's panicking. Mm. But then she's riding the bus home and she's looking at the sky and realizing, wow, the sky isn't always blue. In fact, sometimes it's not even blue at all, has all Mm. these other colors in it. You know, so sometimes they're just these mind opening, creative kinds of things to set a context. And then it's everything that you need to do the project so it's not overwhelming and uh, small, small quantities so that you're not drowning when we first started out every time a box called for scissors or a pencil we would put it in and then I got feedback from customers like okay I don't need that many you know so so now we assume that people will have basic scissors and pencils okay and then they get the other stuff that they need for the project
0: are, are there good instructions I, we haven't we, we got the box today and we haven't really gone through it very in depth are, are there good instructions on the activities and the the projects and good instruction for the the parents as well
1: yes well hopefully okay. i i would like to hear from you but um, <laughs> uh the instructions like i said i w- walk a really fine line trying to yeah. give enough structure so that kids feel successful but lots of you're the artist you get to make this decision try this try this or here's a suggestion, but if you don't want to do that, do this or do something else. And then we also try to say things like, if you're younger, you might want to ask an adult to help you with this. If you're older, try this. There's always a a section called, if you want more, to take it a little bit further. So although the boxes are designed for elementary ages, I hear from our homeschool families that have kids maybe eight, ages five to 17, that the instructions kind of work magically for everybody to be able to work at their own level.
2: So when you're teaching multiple children with one box, how many supplies in the box? Is it enough for two of the projects or, you know, how how much quantity um, to share across across a family?
1: So our regular size boxes have enough supplies in them for up to two. It could be a parent and a child or two kids. I also hear from parents that have two kids that they can still do the project often. It just depends mm-hmm. on how much you want to share. Okay. And then the larger boxes have enough supplies for up to four. Okay. So really, um, most families would only need one box. And, and again, you can stretch it a little bit sometimes too. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean that we put like four of absolutely everything in there, but we're really thoughtful about what you need four of and what you don't. Again, going back to not filling up your house. um, It's really important to us to be as eco-friendly as possible. Also, so always trying to balance that. We use compostable water cups. Usually if there's paint mixing, it's on these compostable bamboo trays Mm. Um, the Brown paper that we use for packing the boxes also is meant to cover your work surface. Oh, nice. So, so we try to be thoughtful about things. So like in our April box, it's a Monet project and it's a mono printing project. So, uh, you're doing the project with these really fun markers. There's only one package of markers, whether you get the regular size box or the large box, because, we just didn't think that that people needed to have multiple ones there's only one book obviously but mm-hmm. then there's more paper there are more print plates all of that okay. sort of thing
0: how, how long you know i guess obviously it's very open ended but like how many hours typically will somebody you know invest in going through the entire box is it like a 2 3 hour thing maybe a 10 hour thing
1: you know that's the other thing that was really important to me starting this because being a mom i bought a lot of Quote kits for my kids, mm-hmm. you know, and also science kits, and mm-hmm. I hate the ones that are what what I call one and done. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and there's one on the market right now uh, that I dislike, where you know you make this, you put this one thing together, and it was kind of fun, but it was for about 20 minutes, and then that's it. And what do you do with it now? So our our homeschool customers a lot of them break the box down into three or four weekly lessons. Mm -hmm. So like um, the first week they might read the book together and talk about it. The second week they would do, there's a main project that usually involves doing a couple of pieces of art in the main project. Mm -hmm. And then the third week they would do the, if you want more part. And then the fourth week, maybe they do some more research, like maybe on the time period or the artist, or um, we did one book that was about Klimt, the art of Klimt and patterns in nature. So they could then do some more research about spirals and the Fibonacci sequence and take it into different directions like that. And then with the art supplies, we don't repackage things. So a lot of the kits that you get. Let's say it's a painting project, you'd get these little tiny pots of paint that are just enough to do that one thing. Ours are full size, quality art supplies. So most of the time you will have supplies left over. And if your child enjoys that medium, then they can keep doing it for the next month until the next box comes.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah, that's sort of like we have this idea in the homeschooling uh, community called unit studies, and it's almost feels like it's a one month unit study. Yeah.
2: I love what mm-hmm. you said about quality supplies. I saw somebody post a, a friend who has an arts background, and she posted a picture of one of those just very generic art kits that they sell at like Christmas time that have, you know, uh, paints and colored pencils and crayons and all kinds of different like things in them but they're just very cheap and she was like don't ever buy this for your kids even even your little kids because quality art supplies are mm-hmm. if you don't have quality art supplies you don't feel as empowered to create art could you talk a little bit about why it's so important to have quality supplies even for younger children because i think sometimes we think like a crayon's a crayon's a crayon
1: oh yeah absolutely I mean, you know, you can look at crayons even and see that some of them, I think it, if if your child uses a product that's not quality and it doesn't work well, then they're going to get turned off on that medium and think, oh, this was not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. This, you know, it's icky, not to mention the fact that they could be toxic, you know. Um, so mm-hmm. we really try to choose supplies that are good quality non-toxic and then also we try to choose supplies whenever possible that maybe your child hasn't come in contact with yet so that it would be something new and cool like for instance our december box was about symmetry and the book was about symmetry and like different animals and everything it related symmetry to nature and to other objects and then the project was creating mandalas with watercolors mm-hmm. and so they got a um a protractor and a compass and then the watercolors were from peerless i think it's P-E-E-R-L-E-S-S. e e r l e s s they've been making these watercolors for I believe over a hundred years. And they're non-toxic and they're on these like pieces of cardboard. It's kind of like a little booklet. And so you cut the pieces off. And what I told families to do was choose, choose like five colors, cut little pieces off, and then glue them with a glue stick onto a big piece of paper. And then you just get your brush wet and you put it on there, and then it magically turns into watercolor.
2: Hmm.
1: and so it was just like so cool and some of the moms were like oh my god this is the coolest thing i've ever seen
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's what that's i think so what's what's nice about art subscription boxes and matthew does one for adults um that he was saying right before we started he's like one of the things i love about it is i just wouldn't i wouldn't know to even look for this
0: i didn't know there was watercolor pencils like, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Like, like, I didn't know that stuff existed. Like, yeah. I would never have known And now I got like a yes. little, you know, I didn't know there
2: of... was air dry clay until you just saw it. You just <laughs> yeah. said it to us. I'm I'm thinking about having to fire something and all Puts of that. Put something in the oven. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah,
1: That's yeah. So daunting. Yeah. So daunting. <laughs> I have to build a kiln out back. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah.
2: Well, we're getting so much exposure to new things. We can't wait to check out the box. Um, This has been so fun. If if you would, um, what is one parting thought you'd like to leave for our listeners about, about arts education, that there's one takeaway that you want them to remember, kind of, you know, what would that be
1: for you? I think, well, what I would like to say to parents is that you are absolutely qualified to teach art to your learners. Absolutely. And it has nothing to do with, how artsy or how, how great of an artist you think you are. It just has to do with cultivating curiosity and seeing things. And, and the attitude that you bring into it with your child is so much more important than having the right supplies or having a teacher that has tons of experience in art.
2: Wow. That's great. That spoke right to my mommy, my non-artist mommy soul right there.
0: Yeah, I'm going to put you to work on the art curriculum.
2: <laughs> uh, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Beth. This has just been such a pleasure to to speak with you tonight.
1: Oh, thank you. It was a joy.
2: Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time, happy homeschooling!